not last, it's not surpassed. It used to be a newspaper. The Bob Podcast, not outclassed. Once on mass, get it on Manchester Road after the end of the game. The Bob Podcast. Hello and welcome to the Buff Podcast. My name's Mark Isles and I'm the chief football writer of the Bolton News. This is the podcast that's been there every single step of the way to Wembley. We sat through crew, we watched Tramir and Leeds United's under-21s, we were there against Barrow, present for United's kids, we saw the Whites beat Pompey and Aki, and we still got no pizza. You are listening to The Buff FM. Coming up in the first of two special Wembley episodes of The Buff Podcast, very superstitious, find out why Ian Evan has to be Mr. Right. Odd man out. Who misses the squad on Sunday? Numbers game. Why do we obsess about the number of tickets we've sold? And Dion Charles tells us why he just loves proving people wrong. But first, a reminder that Saturday's edition of the Bolton News will have a 16-page pullout with loads of exclusive interviews and features on the game. So get down to your news agents if you can. Keep the paper in your loft and then tweet me about it in about 30 years' time. If you can't get the paper, then the only way you're going to get to read all those exclusive Papa John's Trophy final articles and interviews is by subscribing online. Go to theboltonnews.co.uk backslash subscribe. You'll not only be able to read all the stories in said pullout, but you'll also be able to download a paper. And it's an electronic version, so it doesn't turn brown after about 10 years. Um, it's easy to store in loft as well. Um, a reminder that, of course, this is your regularly scheduled Buff podcast. It should be a Friday morning when this one comes out. And along with that, we're going to be issuing another episode on Saturday morning with some very special guests. If you are on board the coach to London right now and wondering what the chuff you're going to do for the next couple of hours, then we have got you covered. Two buff podcasts this week. Listen to the both. Get in the mood for Wembley. Happy days. Okay, after his slanderous attack on the Buffs musical director Simon Woods last week, the only way to introduce my co-host for the podcast is by doing this. Henry, it's not the welcome I wanted to give you, but uh, nevertheless, welcome to the Wembley podcast. It's a Wembley podcast, Mark. We should we should be in a good mood. This is I feel like a wrestler that's just insulted the local crowd. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes. It's uh, I mean, we should have started on a, a more upbeat note, but I think sometimes you need you need taking down a level or two with all this fan mail you're getting. True, yeah, but I do feel like I've just said, I know, green algae is better than ye old pasty shot. Oh, God, no, somewhere, somewhere an angel's just lost its wings, what the hell's going on? <laughs> for the uh, record, for the record, it's not. It's for the not, record, for please, the record. please retract that, please retract that. That could be a future sponsor I'm losing there. <laughs> um, right, this is, well, I mean, it's here, we've been talking about it for absolutely weeks. It's finally here, we're sat here now Thursday morning. Couple of days to go. How are the nerves? You know what? I'm very relaxed. I'm just. I think I'm just going to go and enjoy it. I mean, when we're there, obviously, yeah, you'll, you'll, you know, I'd rather win than lose. But I think all this build up and everything that's going around it, I'm just, I'm just enjoying it, and, and it's great because 
it's the first time we've had 12 years of not going to Wembley and having to talk about that Stoke game. And it's just now, you know, even if we lose 5 0, it's something else to talk about. <laughs> don't do that to me, please. <laughs> don't do that to me. Oh, God, no, I can't. No, 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 no. We'll, we'll end talk of that there. I think there's an email later on that mentions Stoke, but anyway. Um, I mean, like you say, it's the big build-up. I mean, I've, I've been involved in it, obviously, from a media point of view, and uh, I don't seem to have done anything but write about Plymouth Argyle and Wembley now for a couple of weeks. We've had all the nationals weighing in with their... Their takes on things, there'll be lots and lots and lots, I'd imagine, between now and the weekend as well to, to read through. But uh, it, it is a grand occasion. I mean, in the grand scheme of things, the Papa John's Trophy isn't exactly you know the Wembley trip we want this season. We want to come back in the, the playoff finals. But it, it, it nevertheless, it, it's, it's symbolic. If they, can, if they can get that trophy, it will just, I think, just put a lovely little mark on that chapter of the club, the, you know, the, the bad old days, if you will. Yeah, and I think, um, I mean, obviously I'm only really seeing the Bolton side of it. There could be loads being said about Plymouth and done around Plymouth, but it does. It feels to me that Plymouth are probably slight favourites because of where they are in the league, but all the talk's been really about Bolton and, um, you know, this, this return to the glory days that we're on, um, which I think has upset a few Plymouth fans because uh, we've seen throughout the season they've been a bit like, ooh, Remember, we're here. <laughs> like, we're at the top of the league, not Ipswich, Sheffield Wednesday, Derby, Bolton. But um, but no, I think um, yeah, it's, it's just it's such a big event, and you can just sense that with with people coming from far and wide, and you know the we'll talk about it later. But the the big names from Bolton's past are going down, and TV presenters going down with the famous old footballers that we had. You know, it's all this grand day out you know, kind of thing. And it's, it is, it's got that feel, it's exciting. And it's, uh, you know, it's, it's just Bolton's moment back in the sun, which we deserve to be honest. I just wonder with all the build up, you know, what effect that does have on the players, because, you know, Bolton haven't played obviously since they, they were at Sheffield Wednesday on the Friday, played really, really well. I know they've, they've played the, the practice match against Rotherham and, and won that three, one played very, very well again. Um, but, they haven't sort of had any uh, anything else to think about, really, barring Wembley. Same with Plymouth. They've had the same same sort of gap. And you just wonder how that plays on people's minds, I suppose, because it's OK, you know, with us just going round and round in circles, re- reading the stories, writing the stories, getting excited. But from the players' point of view, it's, it's all gearing towards 190 minutes of success or failure, I suppose. Yeah, I guess so. And, you know, these... Even around the stadium, you know, the photos they see of, of the old players and, and Big Sam and stuff, they'll all be there. So I guess it's that, you know, it's a big occasion. And, uh, you know, I'm sure that, the, you know, we discussed on last week's episode how they're going to go down this week and, and sample the atmosphere and sample Wembley. And I'm sure all that is going to help them. And, uh, and yeah, it is, it's a big game. But like I said before, you know, I, I'm actually not nervous because it is... It's not a playoff final, as you know. It's one of those days out where if you win, it'd be amazing. But if you lose, you know, actually, you just join sixty other teams or whatever it is who didn't win this competition this season. So I don't think there's as much pressure on, to be honest. But saying that, knowing Bolton fans, and I'll be like this as well. If we lose, we will have a meltdown, and that will happen. <laughs> uh, so uh, yeah, I guess there is. It should be a little bit of nerves, but I don't think there should be. 
big nerves. And, and they've shown this season before. We owe Plymouth one. You know, we should have got something at their ground. We should have won at our ground. So we do own one. So I'm sure that'll be in their minds as well. By the way, I'm banning you from doing the team talk. If, you know, <laughs> the Churchillian words you come up with before the game is like, well, look, if you lose, lads, you just one of 60-odd other teams that haven't won this competition. So never mind. It doesn't really yeah. matter, does it? You know. Who cares? It's just a day out. <laughs> just a day out. Talking about day out, how, how are you planning your day? Because you're going down to Wembley to, to watch the game. I'm going to be working all day, so it's it's not really any fun for me. But I'm sure you're going to enjoy yourself. Yeah, I think we're going to drive down. That's partly because it was, uh, surprisingly, with the diesel prices, it's going to be cheaper for us to do that than get the coach um, <laughs> and the train. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, we're going to do that and we're going to... Uh, I think we're we're going to find a space near, like I say, near the stadium. It's probably going to be a forty-minute walk, but you know, I think that'd be nice sampling it in, seeing Barnet. the ground in the distance. Yeah, <laughs> uh, might stop at a few pubs on the way. So uh, yeah, it's um, it'll be a nice day. It'll be a good day out, and uh, you know, I, I, you get that sense with everyone is you see on social media, everyone's so excited, and and like you know, I I, I know we joke in there about me doing the team talk, but. I think for a lot of people, it is just that day out. It's that Bolton Wanderers back at Wembley, for, you know, and mm. I think everyone's just looking forward to a good day. Can, can you enjoy it as a fan? I mean, I, I spoke to Ian Everett on, when was it? It was Tuesday for the for the press day. And he said, I think possibly we as as kind of managers are able to absorb more of it because the fans have, the fans can do nothing at all about it. At all, you sat there, you're in your seats, and you're just hoping that they they deliver on the pitch. Players, pretty much, as soon as they walk onto the pitch, they're in game mode. It doesn't really matter where they're playing, whether it's Wembley or whatever. It's the same thing. It's the same game. So you know whether the pitch dimensions mm-hmm. change maybe a little bit, but from the management point of view, you're the only one that can really have a very negligible but a small effect on the game. So can you can you sit there and enjoy a game of such? kind of grandeur and magnitude um i think i'll enjoy it until we're actually playing it i think for the first 10 minutes i'll kind of be taking it in and thinking wow like bolton is great stadium and then after that you're like right come on what's happening here and you know i think that was the thing with the stoke game because it went pear-shaped very early on you couldn't take it in as much um so yeah i think um yeah it would just be you know, an exciting day, and uh, I, I, as I said, I honestly, I, Bolton fans may disagree with me, but I am actually quite relaxed because it isn't. You know, it's a one-off game. You know, if we win, it'd be fantastic, and it'd be memories that will last a lifetime. And um, you know, everyone will have the the picture of San, Santos raising the trophies, the foam background. But um, if we lose, it's you know, it's it's just another game, and we crack on with it, trying to get in the playoffs. How very twenty twenty three that the phone background is the <laughs> is, is the go to there. But anyway, if you do if you do disagree with Henry, don't email in, please. Uh, just let him know on the day. I'm sure he'll be very happy <laughs> yeah. uh, of a tap on the shoulder uh, in, in the middle of the torch pub or wherever he is uh, to be told by uh, a six foot five Bolton fan that he's wrong. It'd be great. <laughs> yeah, thirty-three thousand nine hundred ninety-nine other people queuing up to tap me on the shoulder. Yeah, brilliant. Um, yeah, so I mean, it's 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 here. There's no there's no getting away from it. It's happening, folks. It's happening on uh, on Sunday. But we was talking about uh, superstitions 
on on the way in and a few fans have contacted me with some of their uh, superstitions which we'll we'll use not in this podcast but in the next podcast um different uh, routines they've got for for going in and building up to games and there's the sweets they like to eat and all that sort of stuff have you got anything that you do in the build up to a game yeah actually me and my dad when we're at home we've got um outside the the main reception we've got a, a brick on the floor do you know where you've got yeah. the yeah so we've, we always go and uh look at that ironically the one time a season that we haven't done that was when we played ipswich and we lost so uh it, it must work well if you don't mind just taking a little visit to the stadium before you <laughs> head down to Wembley, yeah. that, i know it's a bit out of your way but it's not terrible um but as far as as far as superstitions go uh nobody is going to be tian ever uh, because we asked him that very same question this week and, and this is what he had. I'll be here all day if, if, if I tell him, yeah, I'm, I'm a then. pretty superstitious <laughs> man. Uh, I have to put my right things on first, my right sock, my right leg and my underwear, my right leg and my trousers, my right arm and my shirt. I always wee in the right side of the urinals. Um, I always go on my, um, my, my Bible um, on my phone and, and say a little prayer. Um, yeah, all of these things I do on a regular basis and it'll be no different on Sunday. Where did that come from? I don't know, you just develop them over time, don't you? And if it works, it works. Um, it seems to have worked okay for me so far as a manager and certainly as a player I did okay as well. So if it's not broken, don't fix it. <laughs> yeah, so Ian Everts, uh, just to just to micro-digest that, has to put everything on on his right side first. So socks, pants, trousers, shirt, and he'll even uh, use the toilet on the right urinal. Uh, I don't want to ask what he does with a number two then, but... <laughs> I don't even... No, I mean, there, was, there were a lot of questions flying around my head when that answer came out, to be honest. Um, sometimes it's best just to, to leave the quote hanging there and, and let people use their imagination, I think. But um, no, very clearly, I remember very early in the day, actually, he had a, a lucky pair of boxer shorts as well. Um, was it Cambridge? It might have been Cambridge. Or, oh, no, it was the first win at Harrogate. That's right. That's right. He had uh, he had a lucky pair of, like, they're like Superman boxer shorts. And uh, he's like, yeah, these these worked. Like sort of showed the top of them uh, before uh, uh, before we started the interviews, which was a bit off-putting, gotta be honest. But you know, hmm. um, we all have these little little things, and he says himself he's weird, so that's that's fair enough. <laughs> yeah, he, he says it. Well, I'm not going to tell him to his face that he. Is. <laughs> yeah, he wouldn't change it for the world. It's uh, it's been fun and games um, talking to, uh, to Ian, and he's very relaxed as well. By the way, I thought the. Uh, the press conference he gave and, and some of the players came up. We had Geth, uh, Ricardo Santos, we had Kieran Lee, a lesser spotted Kieran Lee, came up and did a bit of press. And Dion as well, who's absolutely fizzing. Um, yeah, I mean, everybody seems in a, in a good place. It seems to be a, a happy camp at the minute. But the, the Wembley experience is what I want to talk to. I mean, we said last week about going down there and having a walk around and whether that takes some of the sting out of it for players that haven't done it before. Um but to what degree do you think Ian Everett will be leaning on those players that have done it before? He's obviously got experience. People like Cameron Jerome have, have done all sorts at Wembley and will know the place inside out. I'm sure he'll be giving guided tours on Saturday. Um, so do you look to your older heads, you reckon, and, and, and try and, and try and get them to, to try and settle things down for you? Yeah, I think you do. And I think it's it can be... Yeah, you know, it can be overriding for the, the other 
players who haven't, and those players that because you got to remember as well that the you know some of the players have not played higher than League One level or mm. or you know bottom end of Championship level. So for them, it might be a bit like it's different. It's not Burton Albion, is it? It's no. Wembley Stadium. So, um, so yeah, I think if you've got those calmer heads around, and I think the likes of Kieran Lee in the middle could will do that. Cameron Jerome, um, you know, if we've we 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 will discuss whether he'll play or not, you know, start or not. Um, you know, I think it is a place for for calm heads. But then I think also you need that sort of exuberance. Like Dion Charles is going to get Dion Charles is going to chase everything, and you need that. You need that person who's just going to run around and enjoy themselves. And I think probably for Dion, it's the best thing that could have happened to him is the last two, the last week or so, because he's he's played in big international matches. You know, and he scored, so it's it might like calm him down a little bit. I think if Dion had been not doing anything for two weeks, like a Kyle Spring, that could, you know, he he could do a Kevin Davis style tackle uh, after two <laughs> seconds and get sent off. But no, I think he'll he'll be ready for it. And uh, yeah, I think they'll all be, uh, you know, they're all professionals. But I think the the what Ian Everts instilled at the club is that they all they all know that this is the right place for Bolton to be. You know, it's not like they are a Burton album with respect to them and that inferiority complex of, oh, we're not meant to be here. Bolton Wanderers and 34,000 fans shows that, yeah, you're playing for a club that should be here. So enjoy it. Yeah, funny you should mention uh, Kev Davis. He's definitely coming down to watch the lads. He's bringing his uh, his sons as well, um, who I dare say will now be towering above me. Um hmm. I haven't seen them in a while, so it'll be, uh, I'll be speaking with him in a bit as well. Hopefully, we might be able to get a little bit on the podcast for uh, for the next episode. Um, Big Sam, in the Royal Box, of course. Uh, I think Peter Reid is also going to be somewhere there with him. I dare say even Fergie might be uh, joining their, uh, their, their mates, but we shall see. Um, Neil, what more? He's bought loads of tickets, apparently. He's going down with his uh, Bolton Sporting Sons, Mark Wynn Stanley, say Mars, John Thomas. There'll be loads. There'll be loads. The, that, this is the, the good thing, I think, when you um, when you get these big, big occasions. It kind of does draw in the whole the whole extended family, I think. And you see those those players that do come back, they're the ones that have kind of retained a little bit in their heart for them, I think. Yeah, and, um, you know, those are... Uh, yeah, I think that it reminds everyone of, of who we are and uh, and the history we've got, you know, when you've got players like that and, and people like that associated with a club and, um, you know, and coming down and enjoying it. And it's, uh, yeah, it'll be a... It's, I think it's just... I think everyone understands where Bolton have been and where we've come from. And I think it is a, a big celebration, not only from the fans, but those type of people as well. You know the the Bolton are in the heart, and I'm sure that the heart was broken uh, a few years ago, like it was for the rest of us. So for them to to now see this, but you know somebody put on Twitter as the other day, and I noticed, and I thought, yeah, they're right. And it's you know as nice as it is that you've got the big likes of Big Sam and Peter Reed and all these people coming back. You know, I think it, it's a big day, and it should be a celebration for Sharon Britton because she's brought us you know back here. Ian Everett as well and, you know, other people. But for her, you know, to be sat there in the, probably in the Royal Box uh, or, you know, wherever the owners sit, you know, near Big Sam, it's, it'll be great for her and a, a moment for her. 
So uh, yeah, it's no, it's it's exciting, Mark. It's it's nice. It's a nice. I've got a nice feel around it. Whether that'll change at five past three on Sunday, I don't know. I am too busy to have any sort of feeling whatsoever at the moment. I'm sure it'll <laughs> hit me at some stage or another. But uh, well, the thing is, though, the thing is, it doesn't matter what happens on Sunday as far as the season's going. It because if you win, fantastic. I can see that having a positive impact on. You know, adrenaline going into Exeter straight away on the on the Friday and then beyond. You've got Cambridge and yada, yada, yada. There's eight more games to go to try and keep hold of that top six spot. But if if you lose at Wembley, I can I can only really see that having a negative effect on Exeter and, you know, perhaps beyond. Because it is, you know, psychologically losing at Wembley is, is a wrench. And, and everybody who has ever done that will say it. it will be one of the regrets they have in their footballing career, unless you're lucky enough to have gone so many times and won so many times. But even Kieran Lee, speaking to him the other day, he lost there in, I think it was 2015 with Sheffield Wednesday. Mm. So, and he's done plenty. Absolutely loads in his career that doesn't involve Wembley. And But it's one of his regrets and he would like to cancel it off. Josh Sheehan has lost there twice with Newport in playoff finals. And, and playoff finals, as you've mentioned before, are a different gravy. I mean, that really is your whole season boiled into one ninety minutes. This is this is slightly different. But it, I do wonder what effect this game is going to have on the rest of the season. Yeah, and for both teams, you know, you could argue that it's, it is more important for Plymouth not to have a, uh, you know, an after effect on this game because they're top of the league. But for Bolton, we are a lot closer to um, the trap door below us than Plymouth are. So, um, yeah, it's, it's no matter what happens on Sunday, you're right, they've, they've got to get back on the saddle straight away. You know, we've got a busy... I mean, as it stands, going into Sunday, we could be out of the playoffs. So, and, you know, we have gone from having a few games ahead of everyone else and looking around and thinking, well, yeah, but we've four games ahead of Barnsley and Peterborough and Wickham and whoever else, it'll be fine to go in, hang on a minute, these have all won them games, uh, which is extraordinary, really, because I, I remember in, in like League Two, we were in the same situation where we'd got up to the top and we had games ahead and the teams around us were losing, mm. whereas this, teams are winning, um, uh, you know, apart from Sheffield Wednesday and, and maybe Derby, but like, yeah, it's they need to get back on it straight away because if there is a um, you know an after effects from it, you've got two important games over Easter, and if we don't get at least four points from them, then suddenly you're looking at you you are looking at, at a, a really bad end to the season. Yeah, yeah, Exeter beating Barnsley as well at home on mm. uh, well last night as it stands for us, but that was an incredible result. I really wish we played Sheffield Wednesday in the final. Uh, there, I've said it. I've said it. <laughs> Um, yeah. Right, OK, they, they've all been about Wembley this week, but we may as well have a few headlines. News. Yeah, well, let's look ahead to the, uh, the starting lineup of his squad, at least, of who to play. Uh, Johnston and MJ Williams are clear to play, but would you put them in your team? It's a good question. It's a good question. Um, it's basically Mbete or Johnson on the left-hand side of the three, isn't it? So, mm. I mean, the form Johnson was in when he got injured, if if he could pick up at that stage, there'd be no question in my mind he'd be back in. But 
of course, you can't guarantee that after after a good few weeks out. So it's going to be a really big call. That's probably the biggest call that Ian Everett's going to have on the day, I think, that can he trust his fitness? Has he given him enough time and and match practice? Obviously, he played a, a little bit for the B team, played in a bounce game against Rotherham and got through that no problem at all. I'm told he's, he's looking okay. What the last couple of days have been like, I suppose that will be the ultimate test of, of whether George is involved. MJ, I'm not sure I, I'm not sure I would see him starting the game on a normal sort of situation. Um, unless there are other problems in the midfield, I, I would imagine he'll start on the bench. But how about you? I mean, do, do you reckon, would you put Jono in if there's any doubt? Um, I yeah, it's a difficult one because I know we talked about this a few weeks ago. I think Mbete has been given a, a bit of harsh treatment by some of the fans mm. the last few games he's played. I would uh, I would go with Johnston if he is if he's fit enough. I would go with him uh, over Mbete, but um, because it's not really a, a position where someone can come off the bench. You know, they say it's up front. You go, oh well, he had a start, so he'll probably come on after sixty minutes. You don't change the defense really unless you need to. So it's a bigger call. I would probably play Johnston, and then, and then if if you've got Mbete to come off the bench, then great. Um, you know, I know you can't really be sentimental, but I think it'd be bigger for Johnston to play than Mbete, who's no doubt going to play there again in his career. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I would probably pick Johnson. I mean, MJ, I would stick on the bench because MJ is a type of player who, if we are winning um, and we we holding on a bit, he can come in and sort of yeah. he's that sort of nasty player, and he'll win us fouls or make tactical fouls. Um, so yeah, I'd probably go with Johnston. But um, just a quick one on that Rotherham game. Mm. What do you know about it? Did you say it was three one? Because uh, I. It was behind closed doors, I imagine. Yeah, three-one, quite uh, quite a, a good performance in the end. Uh, Declan John scored one, Kachunga scored one, and Dempsey scored the other goal. So, a, a quite an impressive performance. I mean, you can argue, you know, how how competitive a game on the training ground against Rotherham really would have been. It was kept incredibly quiet. Neither team wanted anything to do with it. Uh, as far as the media are concerned, or as anybody outside, so there were eyes on it. I know there were a couple of people that managed to watch from the you know far periphery and such like, but um, no, I mean nothing, nothing major. Uh, Santos got a bit of a knock at one stage, but he's fine. Um, but yeah, there's there's not a lot to write home about. But as far as the the playing patterns, and I spoke speaking to Ian Ever about this uh, the other day, and he said, you know. Sheffield Wednesday was a good step up and he was really happy with that and that kind of re-energised the whole, the whole team. But actually, seeing that in practice against Rotherham was even more encouraging. So, you know, his opinion is that if they can take that performance on and then go and replicate that against uh, Plymouth, they'll have a, a very, very good chance. Um, so, he is going to make some big decisions. Uh, probably the biggest decisions uh, he's having to make in management uh, on Sunday, um, he has to tell one player in the squad that he's not going to make the 18. Mm. Um, you got to feel, I mean, it's why he gets paid the big bucks, but you have got to feel for, for him making that decision because he, does, he doesn't seem like someone who, who would shy away from making big decisions. But, you know, the closeness of the squad, 
you know, if he if he makes the wrong decision, it again, you know, that could fall apart for the rest of the season. Yeah, it's going to be a tough one because you look at the numbers they've got and the, the cup tied players. It looks like it'll probably be one senior player that will be told you're not going to be in the 18. And it's going to be devastating enough just to be on the bench, I think, in a game like that. But to be the odd man out will be a tough one. Um, you know, Isgrove looks like he's carrying an injury. I'm not sure he's going to be involved. So maybe him. Um, you look at whether you play a keeper on the bench. I'm pretty sure in a game of this magnitude, even as ballsy as Ian Everett has been with the reserve keepers, Joel Dixon will be there just in case. Yeah. Um, I mean, imagine going into a penalty shootout with like Santos in goal. <laughs> I don't even want to think about a penalty shootout. I really don't. But uh, I, I think I think he's got to play it safe. I think he's got to give himself lots of options. You've got players like I mean, there's a there's a decision on the left hand side about Randall Williams and Declan John. Do you if they're going to put Williams in as he did against Plymouth at home? Do you need a specialist left back? I don't know. You know, he's, obviously the other week he didn't bother with that, and Declan John wasn't in the squad. So, yeah, there's there's probably a couple of different sort of to give himself the flexibility on the bench that he's going to need. He hasn't got a lot of strikers. We know he's down to bare bones there. There's going to be Dion Charles plus a another. So, yeah, I, I think it's uh, it's going to be interesting, and that's that's also assuming, of course, that he doesn't draft in one of the kids from the B team of one of the younger players. Just in case, you know, particularly a striker. I mean, we've seen the likes of Connor Carty and etc. being used in, or Kumbeni being used on the bench. So who knows what could happen or what might have happened over the last couple of days where they've tried to, to keep everything um, in-house as far as injuries are concerned. A very kind of vague injury roundup from both managers this week, really. Yeah. Um, well, if Bolton do win, they can bag up to half a million pounds from this run, which... It's, it's funny, really, isn't it? Because, you know, there's what everyone says about the Papa John's trophy and how other teams, um, you know, I think Bolton have given it a respect that they can win it so far this season, um, whereas other teams don't. Half a million pounds for a League One club is a, a massive amount of money. It pays for Eddie Bia show, doesn't it? Well, exactly, exactly. And it gives them a good start for, for any budget they've got to spend in the summer. Uh, £100,000 just for winning that one game. So... That in itself is is not a sum to be sniffed at. I'm sure uh, football ventures will be rubbing their hands at that idea. Uh, you, you get 45% of the actual overall gate on the day as well, once the, the expenses are taken out. So, again, it could be a big chunk because it's 75,000 fans there paying, uh, you know, anywhere between 10 and 60 quid for a ticket. So, there's lots of money in, in, in that little bag there. And I'm sure... Ian Ever is is saying that he was right. He's, he's been proven right that to take it seriously, to name strong teams all the way through, um, has been the right decision. Because you look at some of the earlier rounds in the group games, and and he made sort of eight eight changes here and there. But he's never brought in kids. He's always just re rotated that first team squad um, for the for the crew games or for the Tranmere games or what have you. So there have been the odd things like using Joel Dixon or, or giving Josh Sheehan and, and Lloyd Isgrove time to get back from um, injury. But he's he has treated it very seriously. And, and I do think that stems back from the disappointment uh, back at last season in Hartlepool where they, they should have been in the quarterfinals. There was, there was no excuse not to win that game. And I think that's always stuck in his craw a little bit. And, and so that this competition was 
I won't say easy, obviously not, but it's the easiest route to a piece of silverware. Yeah, I've always felt that. And I thought, while we're in this league, it's a great uh, chance for us to get our silverware. Because you, if you go up, if if we win this and then go up in, in May, we're not going to defend it. So mm. it's a great opportunity. And I think, you know, some of the speaking to all the Bolton fans, you know, that Torquay game or even going down against... Bristol City, they're great memories. And I think, yeah, this will be a great memory for, for this generation um, going down to this this game. And, you know, you, you don't get it. It's an opportunity, even if you're in the championship, unless you're in the playoffs, you don't get to Wembley uh, or you have a good season like Sheffield United have in the Cup. So, um, so yeah, it's, it's, it's massive. And if Bolton can make some money from it, then, then it's even better. I was looking at the starting lineups of the two teams in the is it 1986 wasn't it Freight Rover? Guess yeah. guess which two players? How many? This is really going to be difficult. But two players playing centre half for Bristol City. Uh, one of them now manages in the Premier League. One of them has been a football manager for a long time, certainly in the lower leagues. Right. Uh, I'm trying to think of probably it's early for quizzes. I I accept that. Yeah. Um... Right, so I'm, I'm thinking of a, a, a British manager who's old, probably in the late 50s, maybe. Yeah. Uh, right, let's go through. Uh, I'm trying to go through alphabetically. So it's not um, it's not Mikel Arteta. <laughs> it's not you and I, Emery. No, no, he never played for Bristol City. It's, 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 I've got Wikipedia in front of me, but I'm pretty sure of it. Um, David Moyes. It is David Moyes, correct? Very good, very good. I mean, you, you'd be going, you'd be one. going something the other. Way. He once was the most expensive defender in uh, in the UK. Uh, played at Manchester City, played at Wimbledon, uh, played for England famously um, at Euro eighty, Euro ninety two. Um, as I think he was playing right back. Anyway, Keith Curl. Yeah, yeah, oh. Keith Curl. Weirdly enough, uh, I'm, I'm, Moyes and Moyes and Curl at centre half. Uh, sounds anyway. like a liars. Moyes and Curl. Sounds like a, detect- a pair of detectives. It does, doesn't it? Moyes and Curl. <laughs> Taking <laughs> on the San Francisco mob. Anyway. Um, yeah, sorry. A bit of Wembley excitement just got, uh, got ahead of me. Uh, give me another headline before I start uh, citing up detective shows. Uh, well, the uh, we've mentioned there 34,000 Bolton fans are going, which is mm. the most... Um, it's not the biggest attendance we've played in front of, obviously, because we've been at Old Trafford and, and Wembley before. But like, sure. this is the most amount of Bolton fans watching a game at the same time since 1970. So you can explain it better than me. Yeah, it's. I mean, we won't know until the day, being truthful, because at the moment the the, the club haven't issued any kind of updates as to the exact numbers of Bolton fans, and obviously the the. Tickets are on sale till Friday. But what we can say is that the reports for the 1995 League Cup final seem to split between 33,000 Bolton fans being there and 34,000 fans being there. And those that went to the game tell me a lot of those tickets were purchased by Liverpool fans back in the day. So I think we can have a pretty fair guess that... Between then, there have been crowds, uh, uh, travelling uh, supports in finals of 25, 24, 27,000 for FA Cup semi-finals, Sherpa Van Trophy, you know, uh, and obviously the games that were at the Millennium don't don't count, that's not Wembley, uh, but still only about 25,000. Um, so we're looking all the way back to the late 70s 
before we had more than twenty, sort of more than thirty-four thousand Bolton fans in one place. And my best estimate, although again, these were not days where you got exact figures on away fans, but my best estimate was be would be that there were fifty thousand plus in for a League Cup semi-final in nineteen seventy-seven against Everton at Burnham Park. So you can say pretty certainly that there'll be there would have been more than thirty-four thousand Bolton fans at that point in time. Um, there were a couple of others before that games against Fulham on the last day of the season when they went up uh, as champions of the old second division. That's that's also a very strong possibility um, because there were about thirty-five or so thousand fans there, and there were very few Fulham fans. So, but either way, it's going to be the late seventies. So this is this is a historic mm. game, regardless of how you look at the competition or how much you feel it's controversial and all that kind of stuff. This really is a, a dear diary moment for Bolton. And if you know, all the, I'm sure all these fans are not going to be back to come watch the Cambridge game on on Easter Monday, and it'll be the same kind of eighteen, nineteen thousand. But even that is a really strong following. It really is a strong following, and and I think the club deserve a lot of credit for winning those people back. And these games, especially if they win on, on Sunday, they're where, they're where you get fans. They're where young people open up their eyes and like, oh, well, you know, I've, I've just been to see him win at Wembley. Now I want to go and see him beat Cambridge and, and all that kind of thing. It's it's how you attract them, isn't it? Yeah, it is. Um, and I think, you know, this is, yeah, this is a, a way of, of, you know, yeah, attracting those fans. I mean, the credit to Wembley and the the EFL for making the prices affordable, mm. um, even though you know traveling down there is going to cost an arm and a leg. But um, but yeah, I think it's it's a way of encouraging fans to come. And I, I just think that you know, as I said last week, that Cambridge game on uh, Easter Monday. If we if we win, what a day that's going to be—a five or a ticket or a ten or a ticket—and mm. it's going to be a big celebration so I think all of this and all good feel you know you, you're encouraging people to come to um, you know to matches and you know when the alternative around us is and, and a lot of people have pointed out Bolton have got a lot of teams around them you are competing with you know take out Man City and Man United who you potentially have priced out are going or can't get a ticket you, you're looking around at the moment and Bolton are the, the next best option so um yeah, so you know, it's it's all this good feel, and hopefully we can get a few more fans and uh, and really, you know, build on it. Absolutely, give us another headline. Uh, well, the finally on the uh, the Wembley field, the pubs have been confirmed that Bolton have been going. I was I was a bit disappointed. Isn't there a White Horse pub near Wembley? That wasn't on the list. I, was bit, I thought that was crying out for a Bolton being pub. I I mean, honestly, the List of pubs has been the bane of my life. I have had more correspondence on which pubs are Bolton than almost anything that I've ever had in in this job. And I've been doing it a fair while. <laughs> I've been doing it a fair while. And there's been some controversial moments, let me tell you. Um, everybody has been desperate to know which Bolton pubs, which Bolton pubs, which Bolton pubs. And it turns out you can't book anyway. <laughs> Somebody contacted yeah. me the other day and said, "Listen, you've you've given out all these phone numbers for the pubs, but you phone them up and you can't book a table anyway." So what the big whoop is? I don't know. I know there was an England game on the weekend before against Ukraine. Wembley wanted to get that out of the way first before 
uh, they, they sort of moved on. But I can say, just in case there is any doubt, that the five Bolton pubs are the Blue Check on Empire Way Wembley, Wembley Tavern on Wembley Park Drive, Stadium Sports Bar on Bridge Road, The Torch, which is also on Bridge Road, and The Crock of Gold, which is also on Bridge Road. So I'm assuming Bridge Road is going to be the place to be. Really? That's, mm. So they're the five you're doing before the game, Henry, for a, <laughs> just to wet your whistle, I assume? Oh, yeah, definitely. Uh, I'll have uh, one in each, and then I'll pay 40 quid in Wembley for one as well. Oh, my God. Yeah, I don't... Uh, I don't envy anybody have to if they're paying if they're charging ten quid for a program, God only knows what they're gonna ask for for a pint of uh, lager. I don't even want to think about it. Right. As I mentioned before, I've been uh, I've been out speaking with players again this week in the build up to Wembley, gauging what what their thoughts are, what their what their fears are, what their what their excitement levels are, and one guy who is definitely not short of a bit of self-confidence going into this game is Dion Charles. Two goals for Northern Ireland against San Marino. Another good performance against Finland in fairness, and I think he should have had a penalty as well. But he seems to be coming into form at exactly the right time. This is what he had to say. Describe your season, because at, at the start of the season, there were people asking questions of you. Can he score goals? And then all of a sudden, you've answered in no uncertain terms. <laughs> That's it. Um, it might sound a bit cliche, but they always say... Um, form's temporary, uh, class is permanent. <laughs> uh, I'm not saying that I'm class, but I've always backed myself to go and score goals where, wherever I've played. Um, yeah, look, I had a bit of a slow start to the season, didn't get quite as many as I should have, but we're all human, we all have dips in form. Um, but look, I like proving people wrong. I've said that uh, when I came here, I'm going to prove a few people wrong, and I feel I've done that. Um, so yeah, I've been brought here to score goals and I'm on the right end of it now you need somebody to write you off I mean if, if, if it helps you're not going to score at Wembley there's no chance <laughs> that's going to happen yeah I, that's something I pride myself on uh, I'm confident in my own ability I've always have been um, coming from where I was a few years ago to get to this point um, look I've had to work hard mm. so I've had to prove a lot of people wrong and it just gives you that bit of a fulfilment when you do that. You touched on it earlier, Henry. He's uh, he's flying a bit, isn't he, old Dion? Yeah, he is, and uh, it was so nice to see him, him scoring his goals for Northern Ireland because he it was his first goals, wasn't it? So mm. he's been close, and he's just not quite done it. So two goals, and then yeah, I mean, arguably, I watched the goal back. He he with the disallowed the in the second game, and I think he, he should have been given as well. So uh, yeah, he's in good form. Mm. So, uh, do do I mean Bolton have got a few issues, obviously, with strikers in in this competition with Cup tied uh, Adebayo, etc., and Shoratiri. Are they going to be relying a bit too heavily on Dion Charles? Is that something that now Plymouth say, well, listen, if we can shackle him, then that's that's pretty much Bolton's chief threat over. Um. Yes and no. I think he is a big threat for us, but I think you know we've got enough players coming from midfield. You know, you look at Aaron Morley, who um, you know I think he's he's a threat, and Dempsey scored the other day. I mean, even Kachunga scored, so maybe he's a threat now. So, um, so yeah. So I, I think Bolton have got enough players. They've got a good squads for it not to be Dion Charles, but yeah, he definitely is the is 
he's definitely our uh, you know our main threat up front. So um, yeah, they, they'll have an eye on him. But I think if they just have an eye on him and no one else, I think that'll actually go in Bolton's favour. What I like about Dion is that he's. I mean, I've said before, he's very kind of spiky. Sometimes you you speak to him and, you know, nice as pie, no problem at all. Sometimes you speak to him and he'd rather be anywhere else. But he has got a way about him. He's he's got a kind of a self-confidence and assuredness. And speaking to him the other day that you just heard the clip there, he's, he's desperate to prove people wrong. I think early in his career, he got released by Blackpool and he ended up... Dotting around clubs from that sort of area, the Southports, Fylds and, and Fleetwoods and such like. And it, I think a lot of people have told him that he's not good enough or he's not going to make it to a certain level. And he's taken a kind of a perverse pleasure at proving people wrong. And, and that was the way this season as well. Cause, I mean, we've sat here many, many times talking about whether or not he is the 20-goal-a-season striker that Bolton need, whether or not he's he's got goals in him and... I'd like to say this podcast has always been quite well behind him, to be honest. I don't think we've ever uh, ever been completely anti uh, Dion Charles, but there have been a lot of critics, and he's, he seems to really revel in shoving it up him, to, for what of a better phrase. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Um, yeah, I think he's... You could sense that a few of his goals around October, November time, he, he, he I think in his celebrations, he wasn't... You know, he was. He, I think he had a bit of an, an issue with some of the fan base, but I think since then he's he's obviously calmed down. I know he never. Uh, you, I think you said he had a chat with him, just saying like you're never going to please everyone, mm. so uh, just crack on and the fans will love you when you start scoring again. Um, and that's been the case. But you know, whatever you think of Dion, he's he has scored 18 goals for us this season. Now 20 if you count the the Ireland goals. So. Um, yeah, he's he's a he's a big threat, and he can be. You know, he's he's already excited. He's already, you know, like I think it was. Um, I watched something on on Northwest tonight, and they said about him scoring at Wembley. He said, "No, I want to score the winner." You know, that's the. Mm-hmm. He's not just content with scoring a goal. So, but you need that. You need a striker, and I, I think Bolton haven't had that for a long time. A striker who's who's got a lot of self confidence. Yeah, I think Alfie would have been the last one I would have hung my hat on in a game like this uh, Adam LaFondra I think he had that kind mm. of same um, borderline arrogance there's nothing wrong in that at all I think in a striker but uh, we've had a lot of talk recently particularly on social media about valuations of Bolton players particularly as League One players and I think some of the numbers require some of the uh, valuers bumps to be felt to be honest but but with strikers they always charge a premium particularly strikers that can get to that 20-goal mark and be able to point to that, which Dion Charles could theoretically have done twice, once for Accrington and once for Bolton by the end of this season. So uh, we we understand that Bolton paid £320,000 for him in instalments, effectively over the course of his contract to Accrington Stanley. Where would you, where would you mark him value-wise now? Tough question. Um, yeah, well, Dion. I mean, Dion. Let's face it: is if Dion was uh, twenty, then yeah, you'd value him quite high. But he's mm. twenty-seven, so I don't mm. know whether I, I'd probably if we bought him for three hundred grand, I'd definitely say a million at mm. the very at the very least. Um, so yeah, I'd probably put him put him there. But I think Bolton are in a good position because it's not like I think Dion's a type of player who. 
yeah, a team in the championship might come from him for him, but I think they'd be more inclined to get someone who is, um, you know, like maybe a bit younger. I think Dion is underrated, and I think I don't, I, I don't, I don't see Dion Charles getting a move to the championship in a weird way, even though he's he's one of the top goal scorers in the league. He's, I just don't think he's fashionable. I think when you look at, um, you know, I think Clark Harris for um, Peterborough, I think he'd get a move to the championship over Dion Charles. Yeah, he's, I think he's the same age or maybe a bit older. I just don't think Dion's very fashionable, which is in Bolton's favour because he can play for us for the rest of his career as long as you know he's, you know he's my favourite player. So I, I, uh, I would be very happy for him to stick around. Um, but yeah, I, I just don't think he's fashionable enough to get that move. So, but if you, if he did, yeah, I'd say Bolton could get at least a million for him. I don't know. I think I think the fact that he's now being looked to at international level by Northern Ireland, if he were to have a good Euro twenty twenty four qualifying score goals, a la David Healy, and, and there'd been a lot of talk mm. over that way about whether or not he can be a lower league player and still score goals as Healy did. And Healy ended up getting million pound moves. He was he was a big deal at Leeds and at Preston and places like that. He played in the uh, the Premier League. I think he was at Sunderland in the Premier League as well. But, you know, he might not have to be fashionable if, if he was scoring goals at that level of football. So I wouldn't write him off. In fact, actually, I would write him off because that seems to be exactly what he wants you to do. Um, yeah. Another guy who has been written off without a question, Elias Kachunga. Uh, scored the equalising goal at Accrington, uh, equalising goal, the first goal, rather, at Accrington, um, which effectively got Bolton with with one foot in the final. Um, That was his redemption arc. That was his comic book moment, uh, the Roy of the Rovers stuff, after the weird uh, sending off a few weeks earlier that got got everybody's uh, knickers in a twist. Um, He's back now. He's, he's not done a lot since, let's be completely honest. He's not really had too many chances either. He's just been kind of restricted to coming off the bench. But Bolton are going to have to look towards him or Cameron Jerome. We had this conversation last week, but given given a week to think about it and the fact that Catcher scored against uh, in, that, in that practice game against Rotherham, what, where's your head at now? Would you play Charles and Kachunga or Charles and Jerome now from the start? Um, I think... I'd probably go with Jerome to start just because I know a, a good start or a calm head is probably more important than having someone calmer up front mm. at the end of the game. Um, you know, so I'd probably play Jerome and have Kachunga coming off the bench um, just because, yeah, if, if we if we lose our heads or we not got enough players that can, um, you know, that can settle into the game and it doesn't override them, then... Um, you know, I'd rather be going into the last ten minutes at nil nil or winning one nil because of that, rather than going into the last ten minutes losing three nil because we've we've conceded three goals in the first twenty minutes. But but we're saying this, and you've got to remember as well that Plymouth. I mean, this is only the third time I think they've played at Wembley yeah. in the whole yeah. uh, existence. So you know, and their team has been built very well, but it's not a team that they've built with Premier League players or. Championship players, you know, so they they could be in a similar situation to Bolton, or they could be in a worse situation where you know it's it's rabbit in the headlights. So you never know. So yeah, rabbit in headlights. Oh God, I hope that doesn't come back to haunt me. Okay, let's hmm. uh, let's look at a bit of postbag. 
Is that Philip Moresh? Emails, actually. Yes, our resident postman, Phil Moresh, has brought us a bumper um, edition of final emails from our great listeners a couple more will be read out in the next one as well but this one's from michael who says i hope you lads are excited about the final as we are my son callum has been crossing off the days on his calendar for weeks now and with the innocence of youth he seems to have no concern that bolton might not turn up on the day god bless him um being a bolton fan in his uh, in my late 30s i can remember going down to uh, Wembley in 2011 and feeling there was no chance that Owen Coyle's mighty team could fail in the year that we'd lost Nat Lofthouse. We'd mm. done the hard part, beating Wigan, Fulham and Birmingham and those Philistines at Stoke were not going to stop us getting to go at United or City knowing we'd already qualified for Europe. I've only walked away from a game a few times in my life. In fact, I wrote to you about one of them when I ended up watching the rest of the game in the pub because it had gone into extra time. Um, we now know the preparations for that game were not ideal. So what I wanted to ask is, what have you noticed about this year's build-up that makes you more confident that that won't happen again? Please give us some hope. Keep up the podcast. We love it in our house. Uh, that's from Michael. So what have we noticed? Uh, I mean, it's difficult really to compare and contrast from a build-up, from, from a media build-up point of view, because... Back in that, those days, obviously, Bolton were a Premier League team. There were a lot more people involved. In fact, we had a, a press day the other day and it was as busy as it's been for a long time. But there was still only about, you know, maybe eight to ten people in the room. Um, they used to have three times that number on a day like that um, for, for some of the big games. So uh, it's a little bit difficult. The, the attention maybe is slightly. But what we now know, of course, about the, the build up to 2011 and something I'm sure Kevin Davis will um, will back me up on is that a, a few days beforehand, Owen Cole took his team down to London. They went out round Wembley, did exactly what Ian Everett's doing, albeit a little bit earlier. Um Went for a bit of dinner afterwards. Maybe a few people overindulged. Took time to get back to the training ground. And then Friday, there was a bit of media stuff. So really, there was not a lot of time to prepare for Stoke and for Tony Pulis's team, who had used all that week to prepare tactically. Now, what we do know, of course, because of the, the, the benefit that not playing last weekend has given Bolton is that they've had lots of time. There have been a few internationals away, so it hasn't been absolutely prime ideal. But for the most part, the squad has been on the training ground looking at looking at Plymouth and, and looking at how to um, how to build up towards this game, um, resting as well, which is which is very important. Um, Bolton had played the previous game against West Ham, I think it was. Uh, they they won three mm. 0 um, which in hindsight was a terrible thing because Johan Almanda played really well in midfield and he ended up starting in midfield at Wembley as well. But um, yeah, I think I think I'm I'm more relaxed about this. Uh, it, it, obviously, it's not quite as big as a, an FA Cup semi final. Let's let's be absolutely honest. But um, this is for a trophy, so it's a, it's a one off event, and um, I feel like they they're very positive as as. Coyle's team was back then, to be fair, but they they don't seem to be. Um, uh, there's no lack of focus. There's no lack of focus. I think that's all been taken care of. I said to to Ian uh, a few weeks back now and just said, "Listen, 
the, the, just so you know, this is this is what went wrong in 2011. Uh, so goes the stories. And he said there's absolutely no chance of that happening. So hopefully they've learned a lesson. And um, you'd like to think so, wouldn't you? I can't, I can't handle that again. Yeah, uh, I mean, yeah, it's, it's funny that 12 years have passed in year we're all saying, oh, don't make the same mistakes. Yeah, Ian Everett and none, no one who's there now was there then. So you're like, well, you know, it's not, our, you know, we didn't make the mistakes again. No. Um, so, yeah, you'd, you'd think it'd be a bit more professional, you know, and, and hearing about Owen Coyle as a, I mean, Owen Coyle as a man seemed great, but as a manager, you know, was, I, I don't think, and I said last week, it's probably why he's managing in the Scottish lower leagues is because he's, that's his style, you know, with respect to them. Uh, and it doesn't really suit nowadays. So I think Ian Everett is a manager for nowadays. And I think they'll go through it with a fine-tooth calm. They'll try and relax the players, but also have them fully prepared. And I don't know, I think as footballers, if you are fully prepared and you feel that you know everything that's going to come at you from the opposition, you, it probably relaxes you a bit anyway. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, I think there'll be bits of that. But, yeah, that, um, I, I remember thinking the same. I remember going down to that Stoke game and thinking, well, it's written in the stars. And you could argue that with the 100 years since the White Horse final and, and a lot of people are saying, you know, I read that Daily Mail article that you got a mention in Mark the other day and they're saying, uh, you know, oh, it's it's 100 years, it's meant to be Bolton are back and it's great for the town and all of this. It, it seems that everything I'm reading is, a, oh, but wouldn't this be great for Bolton to win? And it was the same against Stoke, so... You know, if, it, if we all go down there with a bit of cautious uh, optimism, cautious optimism, it'll be fine. Cautious optimism, that's uh, that's my band name, that is. Hmm. Um, right, second email, second final email, we'll just do two this week. Uh, Carl writes, you may want to stick this in your predictions, you may want to read out on emails, but I can confidently say that if Bolton Wanderers don't beat Plymouth Argyle in the Papa John's Trophy this Sunday, that there will be a meltdown among the fans within five minutes of full time. Can we yeah. call a truce now and agree to save the moans and groans for after the season has finished where they're not going to wreck the rest of the league games? P.S. Do not forget to remind people of the minute's applause in the seventh minute for Super Ted, of course. Um, a young, uh, young Bolton fan who passed away recently. Very uh, very sad, but in the seventh minute, folks, you know what to do. Uh, I'm sure both Bolton Wanderers and Plymouth uh, will be circulating that before kickoff to make sure that's doubly official. Um but to go back to your previous point there, Carl, as far as the the scheduled meltdown, we know it's going to be the case. It's it's never anything but. Football is an emotional game and you can never change it. But potentially managing that, both within the camp and externally as well, if fans can keep their heads a little bit, you don't want it to, to go spilling over into the rest of the, the campaign. No, you don't. And yeah, people will be upset if we lose. Of course they will. You know, that's that's natural and people will be overly excited if we win. But, um, and that's the same for both teams. But, you know, yeah, it's, it's as I said, it's a one-off game. So if we lose, it's, yeah, it's, it's disappointing. But it, it shouldn't affect what's happening in the league. You know, we're in a good position um, and we've got a, a favourable end to the season. You know, we can go to Exeter. I know it's a tough game, but we can go and get something and then beat Cambridge at home. And then suddenly, a week later, you could be looking at Bolton comfortably back in the playoffs and looking ahead to the end of the season. So, it's I, what I've learned as a Bolton fan, especially this season, is that, you know, you can win 
five or six in a row, you can win two games in a row, five nil. But then if you lose the next one, suddenly Bolton are, are rubbish and we're not making the playoffs. So, yeah, it's, you know, I'm sure the, the players know that and I'm sure the players, if they do lose, will just get back to it and make sure they go back again in May. Okie dokie, let's have some predictions then. Pass us my crystal ball. What's happening next week? Prediction time. Henry, it's it's reached that time where I'm afraid I'm going to have to press. Are Bolton Wanderers going to lift the Papa John's trophy or not? Of course we are, Mark. Oh, I'm dear. positive this week. Uh, yeah, we'll win 2-0. Um to lift the trophy. I'm going to go with my goals. I'm going to go with a Kyle Dempsey and I'm going to go for it. He's back. Redemption this week will be spelt E-L Kachunga. Redemption spelt dipping in and out of audio. That's that's quite uh, quite an interesting one. Uh, yeah, but anyway, Kachunga and Dempsey. Kachunga and Dempsey. Kachunga and Dempsey. For those for those hard of hearing, Henry is saying Kachunga <laughs> and Dempsey. <laughs> uh, yeah, two nil. Oh, I'm I'm gonna say it's gonna be tight, and I'm saying it's a single goal win, and I'm saying it's a late goal win as well. Um, ooh, who's gonna score the goal? Do you know what? I think I'm gonna have an Aaron Morley free kick. Yeah. Aaron Morley free kick, 25 yards out. Nobody thinks he's going to shoot from there. Reliving Gaza against Arsenal in 91. Um, oh, was it? Yeah, 91, wasn't it? Uh, yeah, brilliant. Yeah, that's going to that's going to be the way it's going to roll for me. Um, I've, I've, I've I am positive. I, I do feel positive about it because I think the 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 whole sort of narrative, the whole discourse around the whole final, it has been all about Bolton, but it's it's about time one of these things actually worked out in their favour because it does seem the more you talk about Bolton, the less they get the end result and the the, the actual result they they want. But um, I just feel like this is the end of this chapter, and that from Monday onwards, you know, towards Exeter, that's where we 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 turn to the uh, to the next bit of the. Next bit of the story, I suppose. Yeah, exactly. I think this is what we need to just lay the ghost of Stoke. Um, you know, I think for 12 years, obviously we've had, you know, crap off the pitch and on the pitch. But I think that was the, you know, and I know people argue it's the Stuart Holden injury and the Stoke, it kind of came within a month of each other. But that was the start of the decline. And I think on this rise up now that Bolton are having, if we can get a result on Sunday, I think it'll just be a... Yeah, it would just be it would just be great, and um, and yeah, no, let's. Uh, it's going to be enjoyable. Whatever, well, I'll say that if we get stuff five nil again, it won't be. But uh, <laughs> you know, whatever happens, it's a nice day out. Right. Well, that's all we have got time for in this episode of the Buff. But keep your eyes peeled because there will be a Buff podcast to the sequel where we get to chat with some special guests. We hear from some of the lads as they build up to the big game at Wembley. And most importantly, Henry might even get a chance to beat me at Danny Shitu. We just don't know, do we? We just don't know. Mm. But uh, listen, 
drive safe down to the final, travel safe down to the final, look after yourselves. If you don't, if I don't hear from you again, if you don't listen to the second podcast, then enjoy the final and be as good as you possibly can down at Wembley. Uh, we will be down there, of course. Henry will be down there, of course. And he wants he wants you to tap him on the shoulder. He wants to know what he said wrong in this podcast. I, I know he does. <laughs> Not of many things, no doubt. But until that point, I have been Mark walking down Wembley Way Isles. And I've been Henry walking the other way with, with Santos lifting the trophy of my background on my phone, Hewitt. A long name again. That was, that was just tripped off the tongue, that one, Henry. This has been the buff. <laughs> <laughs>